0: Let me introduce you to Phil Nichol.
1: This is the last time I take magic oh, mushrooms Lord on the night geez, of a game. Oh.
0: Phil, you were born, then what
1: happened? <laughs> That's where I met my girlfriend <laughs> Sissy, who has a face like a rare Chinese vase. Oh, <laughs> Mingan. Born in Cumbernauld, Scotland. We do a lot of things together, a lot of shouting, a lot of screaming. And I get very angry, but I get angry at both men and women. I'm bi serious. <laughs> <laughs> My dad hates what I do. He's like, "Son, why don't you get a man's when job?" So now I'm a drag queen. <laughs> Hello, is in me all again. The clammers would sing it. I'm the only Eskimo, but I don't need my nightgown.
0: All right, let's just talk about. Let's finish on that. He said to me, "How'd you become a gangster? How'd you become a gangster? I'll be a gangster. How do I do it?" I was like, oh. That's "How you become a gangster?" Mate. Okay, today we have a very good friend of mine. We've just been talking off before we came online. It's been ten years since we met. Around ten years since we met. Phil is one of the funniest guys I've ever met. And I want him to be part of your journey of life and, and his depth and his, his humor is something I want to share with you. So getting him on the podcast took me months to wait for. So I'm really excited about bringing him on to this podcast today. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Phil Nickel. Oh, Phil, wow. welcome Hello. to the Working Class Heroes podcast I am so honoured to have you on this podcast and I'm really looking forward to see where this conversation goes. <laughs> we, we know each other quite well. I've only known you a little mm. period of your life and a yeah. little period of my life, but it spanned out 10 years. So there's a, quite a lot of things we know about each other. And yes. you know my wife, you know my family, you know, you know a lot of the issues about how I've struggled in life and I know a lot of issues how you struggled in life. And hopefully today we can cover them, but we can always pull back to that, which we call the Marines, cheerfulness in times of adversity where even in the shittiest times you can find something funny from it and yeah. there's a lot of shitty things happening in the world I yes if, indeed that we're really can we find a funny side to it anyway <laughs> Bill, i want to know more about you i know you've yeah. told me these they've told me these stories before but i think the first time we ever spoke about our life story we were yeah. hammered mate we were hammered yes so on that note, we I just want to—I just want to say it's the seventeenth of January, two thousand twenty-four. This yes. is the beginning of the second season of the Working Class Heroes podcast. Oh wow, well, wicked! Good are you a working class hero, mate? Bill, cool. you were born. Then what happened?
1: Oh well, well, I am very much a working class kid. Um, born in Cumbernault, Scotland, um, to—I uh, had two older brothers. My my mother uh, was a housewife. My father was a builder, a cabinet maker by trade. He had lost his father when he was young uh, and had become uh, gone to my father. His father worked on the rails and he, my dad, as a young teenager, like 14, 15 year old, had to get become an apprentice uh, to look after his family. So he went into in Clyde Bank where they lived. Uh, and so he's he, he then um, went away to Canada when he was about. Uh, 19. This is kind of the guy my dad is. He was the eldest of, of two brothers, and he just woke up one day and went, right, I'm going to Canada. He had heard through the grapevine that there was great work and jobs there because there was so much building going on. He told his mom, I've uh, saved up my money, and then two days later, he took a train to Liverpool, and off he went. Now, I didn't know this about him until m- many years later because I travel a lot. In my job as this touring comedian stuff, I travel over the world, how I met you and everything. So my dad actually had that thing in him. I knew him as a family man, but he actually had been to The Hague, he him and his mates had gone to Paris. And he's he, in his later years has been reminiscing, he's been telling me all these stories about himself that he doesn't really like because my father, when he met my mother many years later, became a born-again Christian and has kind of separated himself right. from those early days when he smoked cigarettes and went dancing and did whatever young men do and i don't think my mother probably enjoys me talking about it either anyway now, if
0: i remember correctly your dad became a minister or vicar he became quite he, he's old. an elder he's an elder yeah
1: we belong to the the brethren assembly which has no pastors no there's right. a uh, it's right. a new testament church where they have 12 elders and 12 um um what are they called the the 12 deacons so the deacons are younger men who look so after the like business an apostolic the
0: thing it's like 12 apostles right so something like that they're they're going on the. yeah leadership all right sorry yes there's no but there's,
1: it's a really good it's a it's a it's a more it's a based on the the new testament so it's not it's not like a, a wacky a cal you know calvinistic and and evangelistic type thing it's a quiet but I do scottish, love that music but though very scottish very I quiet
0: music. I want to go to those churches where they go hallelujah oh yeah Pentecostal Hello, churches Jesus Jesus and they start yeah. saying have you been one of them I have been I, I went out oh. with a, a
1: Pentecostal girl for a little while there that's but, my bucket it,
0: list that's my they, bucket list but they but I I that
1: drives me insane because now that I now that I have been to those things and you see people shaking, and I just think <laughs> I mean I've been to rock concerts and done the same thing I'll be yeah. honest with you but
0: I've <laughs> been at raves <laughs> and done the same thing oh like, man I, blah, blah, blah. I say
1: I got a I've got a Glastonbury every year. I'm a spiritual man. That is my yeah, spiritual yeah. home.
0: It's like that. Uh, you know. Oh, how, how was the concert? Oh man, the music was great. I can't yeah, remember yeah, anything else. I just remember the yeah. music.
1: I spent a weekend inside my own eyeball once. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the things I've seen, Denny. The things I've seen. Uh, uh, Denny, let's sidetrack, let's sidetrack side So remember. my father, so my father on, goes go to my father goes to Canada as a young man, uh, w- with his friend. And I, I can't remember, I think it's Billy, I think it's his friend Billy Peoples, but it might be my father will correct me if if i tell this but it doesn't matter Ma- he makes tons of money because at the time people don't realize this that you could get like four pounds to the canadian dollar canada was booming my dad came back to where his friends were working in in the factories and doing cabinet making and building and he came back with like you know a fur coat and uh a, and, a, and a money to buy a scooter which for a working class guy to have wheels is like yeah. r- not ride a bicycle to work yeah and and then and then he he got caught up in the the Billy Graham Crusades and ended up. My mother was uh, my mother's parents were Quakers. My my father, my mother's father, wow. uh, were Irish descendants who had a shop. They were um, conscientious objectors during the war. Her father ran a shop in in Kelvin Grove, which is right across the street from the Stand Comedy Club, which is a great story I'm going to tell you later. But anyway, um, they met at a at a, a Billy Graham Crusade on Sucky Hall Street, and and. Uh, and then I got married and the rest is, is they, they, they had two children. Then my dad kept wanting to take my mother back to Canada. I kept wanting to take my mother back to Canada. My, my mother had her mother and all of her friends and she was reluctant to go. But he, after he had me, he built his own house. He saved up money and built his own house in, um, in Cumbernauld from the ground up back in the day
0: when you. Cumbernauld was becoming, I remember it as a kid. I remember, I remember Cumbernauld, you know, it was a big advert. Yeah. I What's it, it, was. it called? What's it called? Cumbernauld. Cumbernauld. Right. That
1: was the commercial they had on television. Right. 1970s. What's it called? Cumberland. And it's a shithole. It's like, it's it's voted in the... There's a book of crap towns every year. And they put Cumbernauld is like number two crap town.
0: Is that every, right? It,
1: it's not, it's not ever, ever even number one crap town anyway. But my dad... <laughs> was such a driven man this is something that's just i have only realized in later life is that he he saved up all of his pennies and and he got back when he didn't really need the planning permission he was a builder and had friends who were builders so the the council would come around and look, make sure it was all safe and everything but there was no like you didn't have to jump through hoops to build a house so he built he designed and built a house and our, he tells me a story about when he he didn't have the 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 roof he couldn't put the he couldn't afford to put the roof on, on it i built this house for about 1800 quid to give you and an, the concept of what yeah man's life that
0: like nineteen
1: nineteen sixty. I think I moved into it a bit six weeks after I was born. so that's what uh-huh. he's building. He wanted to have it done before us, but anyway, I lived up in tenement. we lived up in the tenements and on on Ainsley Road. but they, but he 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 asked his mum to lend him the money. He needed like, I don't know how many pounds to the for the big part of it the roof. and he he couldn't get it. so he went. And this is him saying this. He he, he prayed about it. And the, there's a man in the church heard him praying about it and turned around and said, are, Ian, do you are you do you, you, you struggle? You having a problem? And my dad, my dad said, well, you know, it's embarrassing, but I've got this. I've got all this plastic over the top. I've got a house and I, I've, I don't have enough to finish. And this guy said, look, I, I I've just taken a house apart. And we've got all this extra lumber. You, I'll I'll give you the lumber, and the guy gave him the lumber, and my dad built the house, and then six weeks later, I moved into Cumbernaulds. So wow. into into that house in Cumbernauld, where we grew up till I was about four and a half, and then my dad decided to take us over to to Canada, and that's and that's we did. And my, we only lasted about ten months there, uh, and my, I think my dad had a car accident. I don't remember this, of course. I was just a kid,
0: yeah.
1: uh, and my mom hated it because she was away from her mother and away from her. Uh, her friends and everything. So they we lasted ten months in Canada. Then they moved back to Scotland, and he moved back to Cumbernauld. Who who would do that? <laughs> who would move back to Cumbernauld? But my dad did. Uh, and of course, he spent a lot of money moving, like three boys. And you know, yeah, the yeah. house we had in Cumbernauld then was like at a tenement. And I remember clearly, we did we couldn't even afford the carpets in it, so we just had the 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 the, the rough floor, not not hardwood floor, rough floor that mm-hmm. he was going to end up getting carpets for. And you know that that's the kind of life that i grew up we you know we we had a black and white telly which we weren't allowed to watch because we were christians we you know only had a couple of channels on it and my parents would would only turn it on for a hymn sing and and anything that was you know not let that uh songs of praise worship. songs of praise songs of praise yeah <laughs> uh, they call it hymn singing in, in canada so that's so that was kind of my that's kind of my background and, and uh you know going going to church uh five times a week uh you know being raised to wow. be quiet uh, not 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 really reading, uh, uh, reading school books, but not allowed to really watch secular television, secular movies.
0: It's a you bit know, like and... my life now. Yeah. oh, is It's it? not because yeah. of Christianity. It's just because of the propaganda. I'm like, I'm not watching it. But, but you can imagine, Well, right, well there... your dad's on the ball back then because it would be the same propaganda, whether we've been teaching that for Christian values or not, but it would be the same nonsense they're putting in your head week after week after week, year after year. Yeah. It distracts you from your moral values, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it it, it it takes you away from your core and it makes you question everything for sure. That's, yeah. I think it's one of the biggest ills, which we can come back to the biggest ills in in the modern world is they've, they've I, well, I don't I hate to say they because I don't know if it is one particular person, but who are the, the, yeah, the, the, people who, the people who are, are with, with the money who are controlling us as the working classes are confusing us. And keeping us confused with all the misinformation and disinformation Please. and and it can be nasty and I, and I I don't take sides on it but <laughs> because
0: fr- you said yeah. misinformation disinformation i had to google what misinformation meant and what disinformation. meant. yeah <laughs> it's the same thing i was like misinformation yeah. disinformation, isn't the same thing but they, yeah. they've made that two different things that's like okay anyway yeah. sorry well that's okay so yeah this this is this is a
1: um I've got a great story. Let let me tell you this because I enjoy this. My so my dad when he went to um, went to Canada when he in his, his his late teens, he worked. He was a cabinet maker, so he was worked with really fine woods. And he and he's my dad's a perfectionist. He he worked on these in the government building downtown Toronto, doing all of, like all of the inside of the buildings, doing wood paneling back in the day when it was done by hand. Him and his friend Billy, they'd done this, and and many years later we were. I was twelve, and we were going for our um going for our citizenship. And part of the citizenship back in those days is nineteen, maybe nineteen seventy-two. So hold on. So you've you've uh, gone out
0: there as a youngster. Yeah. You've come back to Scotland, but you've gone back out.
1: We've gone back out. I we we I last I, I did another year of school in in Scotland. And then because of the way the school system works, I went back out there and I skipped a grade because of my education so i was in a year with people that are a year older than me but i was born in may so i was short for people in my in my own year i was tiny i was short for people my age then i was born in may so i was short for people in my year and then i skipped a year so i i was elbow high to everyone else in the class and i was born with a clinical stutter and a lisp so when i was growing up i i i i had a severe stutter like that oh, wow. so i and i and i went for my my mother diligently with no money took me to the after school classes once a week to so i could learn how to speak so by the time i was about 11 years of age and i was able to speak I, he can't shut me up now and i think it's a huge part of my character is formed with those moves yeah before, for sure before i was 11 i went to like nine different schools being elbow hide everyone with a Scottish accent and a stutter and a born again Christian, so and I just... wasn't allowed to. I wasn't allowed to wear denim because my mother felt that denim was the devil's fabric, and
0: so it's safe to say that I got picked on every fucking day of my life. Let me just jump in there. Let me jump in there. Let's just halt that shit right there, right? So, I know you as an outgoing character. I know you as a full-on person, and you offend everybody you meet until they know. Well, oh, that's just his character. <laughs> so when you're that age, right? You're 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 young before twelve, 12 you you've got this stutter. You're you're are you are you not, not speaking as much? Are you speaking? Are you keeping yourself in the background? Are you nervous? What, what's what's going on? What's the effects of having that stutter? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people who'll be listening to this who know people who've got a stutter and looking at and you looking at you and listening to you now, there's no sign of that. What what were you like as a little boy? With that stutter, were you well uh, inward to yourself?
1: Well, I do, I do have the stutter, and I, I just did it there, and I do. I anyone I've worked because I do obviously went to theater school and worked with voice coaches, and every single one of them said, "Oh, you've got a stutter," and because they, because they're people, that are attuned to listen, watch your mouth, and tuned to figure it out. Like I've just done it there. It's a little. I know what I'm doing. Camera or something. I tell you what it does. it, It affects my speech pattern. In a way that I, I always go off on tangents because I'm I've I've taught myself not to try and hang on to a sentence if I can't get it I'll you just, just I change off. the subject so I I speak in a very angular kind of way that I think people find really hard to keep up with sometimes they do like what the fuck is this guy talking about because I go off on tangents I'm also a little bit ADHD but everyone says they are but okay. anyway okay. Th- when I was young I was I was two to things I was going to different schools so I was constantly trying to being made to fit in. And and not you don't want to be the target of bullying. And I mean, I have a real hatred of bullies, as you know. Yeah. One of I hate seeing people get bullied. I hate I hate bullying tactics. I hate bullying politics. I hate bullying. Uh, if I see someone in the street, I hate someone winding down the window and going, fuck you. I just hate that shit. Oh, yeah, and and I used understand. to get I used to get upset about it and rise to it and be the kind of go well, yeah well fuck you and like run after people. As we know, my my character has changed greatly even in the last ten years. Yeah. Um, but when I was young and I was small and I couldn't defend myself, I just had like a really big, I I would cut people to the quick if, if I could get the words out and I would, I would put people down and, and the bullies of the school often, very often would hold me down or hold me against a locker and try and scare me. And I think I told her brothers who were Christians who didn't, my brother Andrew is pretty good, but my brothers didn't really, they were, they were much older than me and went to different schools. So they weren't really around to, to help me. And then they picked on me as well because they're my brothers. They 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 used to hold me down and tickle me till I puked, and as brothers do. So I, I was sort of in this. I, I'm, I'm very in, much in this world of living in my own head. I was very really good at reading. I I knew the answer to everything. I could, my, the the teacher told me off. Had, had wrote a letter to my mom saying, "Can you ask Philip to put his hand down? Because every time I ask a question, his hand is in the air, and I never ask him the answer because it then he takes." You can't get the answer out and everyone laughs and it disrupts the class and then he feels bad so just tell him to stop and he <laughs> can imagine being told stop answering questions in school so that's the kind of that's the kind of mentality I had so when I did uh garner the ability to speak more clearly and become more elo- as more elo- as eloquent as I can I had um things I, mean, I don't feel I'm being eloquent now I feel like I'm all over the place all over the shop but I'm trying to get to the point, which is. I think it, you're eloquent. It, it formulated I ha- my vocabulary, and it formulated my uh, my need to be understood, and that's really mm. important to me. That's yeah. that's been the key to my whole life. As I feel like I am misunderstood, and because of my naughty, a bit scurrilous nature of being a little bit, I'm gonna say do and say the wrong thing to get a, get a rise out of you because well, I may as well because you're not listening to me anyway. I I am misunderstood. And I went through a period as a teenager where I, as you're, you know, going through hormones and all that stuff, and 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 as I started to realize, maybe I don't believe in all these Christian ideals the way the way my parents do, even though I believe in the core, uh, the beatitudes and the core, the core beliefs of loving one another, and you know, do not judge and treat others as you'd like to treat yourself. I don't hold the the rest of I hold the rest of it in contempt for for a lot of different reasons which is probably not what we were talking about here but when i turned 14 i decided that i was going to purposely be uh confusing and 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 make make myself i was already a bit of an outcast so i found myself grouping with you know the the school. I, live, I grew up in a country school outside Canada, so when I say punk rockers, not you're not British punk rockers, but I hung out with the people that were the theater people, the outsiders, the virgins, the you know the losers, the theater gang, and um, became their leader. <laughs> became like <laughs> the guy that was like, we don't have to take. This and did shit.
0: you still have a Scottish accent at that point?
1: Uh, it it had fallen away. I I had I think the Scottish accent left with the with the stutter.
0: Um, so what I would so think. Do tra- you think that might have been something to do? Did your stutter happen or begin in Canada, or was it something that was going on in Scotland? Um, was it always I, there? I, you know, I don't, I don't really know. Because that might have been a traumatic experience that brought the stutter on. Because they say, you know, like to stutter, there's something traumatic happens and yeah, and it, 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 it messes with the brainwaves. So you you're trying to say something but you can't say it. And it's interesting because I remember taking the kids. <laughs> from scotland to australia and uh, i'll just briefly quickly just say that they went from and i said to them because i'd lived in england and, and i got to england and they in the marines are like if you don't sort your accent out you're gonna to have to fail the marines and i was like what so they made me speak like that mate. you know i mean mm-hmm. and i had to change my accent so people could understand me because mm-hmm. the the officer said listen if you're on the radio and you're calling for help no one's gonna understand where to go mate so you've got to change your accent so <laughs> yeah my guy, Sid McCarthy, I mentioned him a few times in the podcast and certainly in my books. He's a legend. Um, Attitude revolution, the most of it. I give him a good, I think a chapter to Sid McCarthy, because he changed my life. And he and he and he pulled me aside and he went, "Listen, these guys hate you because you're Scottish, and it's not because you're just Scottish. It's because they can't understand you and they just want rid of you, right? <laughs> yeah. So you've got to now speak Law this, Mike. What? Yeah. It's it. Yeah. And and he made me speak like that. So every time I was like, "Yes, corporal, No worries, corporal. All right, <laughs> oh, listen in, right now. now yeah." And I went back to home to Scotland to my my, my lads, my, my mates in the pub after the, the military training. And they were like, all right, Danny, well done for getting your marine green beret in that, mate. Well done, brother. And I was like, thanks, lads. <laughs> yeah. I totally, totally yeah. forgot. But I said yeah. to my kids when they went to Australia, your accent's going to change. Embrace it. Don't worry about it. You're going to go from a Scottish accent to an Australian accent. So just embrace it and just get on with it. And they were like, okay, okay, no, no problem. Okay, okay, okay. And then they went from speaking like that to speaking like that as if they were American. And then all of a yeah. sudden, am I, no going? But it transitioned. Yeah. But I gave them full support. But I was just wondering yeah. maybe if it was if it was that transition from having not been understood with the Scottish accent from Glasgow and then going to Canada when everyone's speaking like that, man. And it's- Well,
1: I've got, a, I've got a little weird thing that happens, Tanya. And my mother makes fun of me. She tells me a story of when I was about 10, coming home with my friend, Gary, and uh, and she could hear me coming up the steps into the house going, hey, Gary, you want to have a cookie, man? And Gary going, yeah, that feels good. And I go, mom, can I have a biscuit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my mom is just like, but, but to this day, my friends make fun of me uh, because when I pick up the phone to my mother, I, I speak to her. This is the voice I speak to her. In, in and Scot- it's very much got a Scottish accent. And yeah. when, and because when I'm speaking to you, I, I will kind of verge veer it back and you forth know, into it. Yeah. Uh, my brothers, who are like six or seven years old than me, both have, um you know, kind of Canadian Scottish accents. But my parents both speak with Scottish accents. They haven't lost oh, theirs. Yeah. Yeah. And they make fun of me for my... They make fun of me for having a Canadian accent. Like, oh, listen to Mister Canada. I'm like, oh, oh you,
0: you're the, you're the one that brought me here. And yeah, I know, but, but I remember he, he, you. Were like, I, I, I was introducing my wife's Canada, as you know, from Canada, as you know, Lisa. So when I met you, it was like, oh, this feels Canadian. And then I met you, and you started talking to me, but you sounded really Scottish, and I was blown away. I was like, well, what is this? Guy? <laughs> yeah. Like, All right, pal. How you doing? I was like, he, he really sounds Scottish. It was, it was your <laughs> accent's perfect, right?
1: Yeah, that's it. Well, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'd rather, I mean, I think the voice in my head is Scottish and has a stutter, <laughs> you know, the voice in your head, yeah, you know, the, just the, the just voice, a... the voice that is you're lying down to bed and you go and it's going, Oh Jesus, what the fuck did you just say to that? Your, <laughs> your inner thoughts
0: are Scottish though.
1: <laughs> yeah. My inner thoughts are Scottish with the stutter.
0: I'm, oh, I'm not sure
1: whether that it, the stutter came out of that, but it, all, there's good and bad in everything because obviously that was something that was a, something I had to overcome as well as fitting in it's it's uh formed my character it's the reason yeah. that I'm the person I'm not afraid to speak but I'm not a, I'm not an extrovert I don't I don't voice my opinion I, and I hope um you don't see me as being someone that has a big mouth I'm very careful awesome. about what I say and and I'm also really good at talking people down because I have had to face off with much bigger people I'm usually pretty good at going calming a situation down and just being like okay let's just take a step back and and be reasonable about this um but listen here's a story I was going to tell you cuz this is good right i was 12 and we were becoming canadian citizens we go down to the um to the judge's chambers in in canada now my mother we were supposed to read all the information my my scottish mother she she didn't think she had to learn anything because she's got Jesus was going to take care of it and God was going to make sure we were Canadian. We're good people, Philip, and we're God G- Canada Canada would be lucky to have us, you know. To, you know
0: as they were, as they were. Lucky to have, lucky
1: to have us. So we go into this judge's chamber. It's a beautiful, like old wooden wood chamber with hardwood uh like paneling with this, you know, the square paneling and a great big de- a walnut desk, and and behind the desk was a huge a picture of the governor general of canada or, or Pierre trudeau or you know big well-known figure and we sat on this great big these big fancy couches big leather couches and my dad looked around and he said you know what ethel i've i've been in this this is one of the chambers that billy and i did we we did i remember the sisters i did all the woodwork in this That's room. It. look at this. look at, and he said philip look at this son See that this is called a a, a dove cut. You have, you cut it in half <laughs> and you fold it open, and it's really hard to get it of You sand it all down, and then it slides in. And I'm twelve. I'm like, oh, shut up, dad! Like, just boring, <laughs> right? He's going, he's going. Look at that! Oh, he goes, this is fantastic. He goes Ethel, Billy, and I did. There's about twenty on this floor. We did like five of them, and this is dead. I know this one because I can tell, and it's it's beautiful, right? It's a hardwood floor. So the judge comes in with his robes through his door and he sits down. he says, Mr. and Mrs. Nichol, it's a really exciting day for us all. We're uh, you're you're on the verge of becoming Canadian citizens, but f- before you do that, you're going to have to take a. Uh, a verbal test with your sons and i'm very excited to give you this test and at the end of the test if you pass the test you will become Canadian citizens so he says when was canada formed my, my hand my hand goes up <laughs> answer the question he's like that's right phil it was you know uh it, again it was founded in <clears throat> this year <clears throat> and who was the person that founded canada my hand goes up it was uh the, the, the champlain and the lake champlain what is the french part of that my hand goes up and he's going phil can you I I appreciate that you know all the answers, but can you please let your brothers and parents answer any of the questions? So he asked my brother a question. He kind of gets it right. And that my my, my mom's just sitting there. She has no clue what we're talking about. And he says, Ethel, I'm going to ask you a question. And it's a simple question. And if you answer this question correctly, because your sons are obviously know their stuff, um, you will become citizens of Canada. And so the question is easy question. Who is the Prime Minister of Canada. And it's on the wall behind him is a picture of the man. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm nudging her leg going, Pierre go Phil, can you let your mother answer the question? And and and, and I'm nudging her going, Pierre. he's going, Phil, can you please let your mother answer Ethel? Do you know the answer to the question? It's a simple question: who's the prime minister? And you can see the blood drain from my mother's face as so she realizes, <laughs> Oh, I may have fucked this up and I might we may not become so. she she blurts out. My husband, Ian, did all the woodwork in this room. <laughs> and the judge goes, sorry, what? Because goes, my husband, Ian, did all the woodwork. It did all, is the builder that did all the, and, and the judge turns to Ian and goes, is that true? And I goes, ah, oh, yeah, it was back in the day when we didn't have bandsaws. You had to cut the wood by hand. You know, I had to split it open and dust it all down, <laughs> dust it all down. And I'm going, Dad, shut up!" <laughs> and the judge just sat there and he sat back and he took a pipe. And I remember he lit a pipe up and he, and he looked at us all and he stood up and he leaned over the table and said, you know what, Ian, I come into this. These are my chambers. They've been my personal chambers for the last 10 years. And I sit here every day. And, and I think, look at the handiwork of the guys that did this stuff back in the day when they did it by hand. It's absolutely stunning. And he stood up, grabbed my dad's hand and said, welcome to Canada, Mr. Nichol.
0: Awesome. That's and a go, and you, go, many... you
1: go. So that took... That was, I'm not sure the, the the timeline, but that would have been before my birth, before my brother's birth. So a, tw- a period of like 20 some years for my dad's handiwork to come back and serve wow. him. So wow.
0: a, that, that's, that's the story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and because of my dad's exceptional need to for perfection, which of course, as a kid, drove me insane because I was never good enough for him. I would never, you know, if you leave your toothbrush out, you fell fella, what are you doing, son? I've told you. Heard that when you're like I'm, I'm, I'm eight i don't i forgot you know like but at the same time he's uh, he was he's a, he was a great father looking back now as we all do at the time i couldn't stand him because it was always correcting 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 but then he didn't always have his father he was doing his best he could and he was working two jobs to pay for the whole thing and now i look at the amount of work and Time and effort he put into putting food in our mouths and try and raise us as as moral, Christian, good-hearted uh, uh, exact and strong and and purposeful men that that that's and, and that's a working that's a Glasgow working class that's a Glasgow working class mentality anyway. and on top of it, he had his own personal, you know, OCD and Christianity. 18 months ago, I went on a stag due to Ibiza and the stag was horrible. He kept saying, guys, whatever happens in Ibiza stays in Ibiza, which is true because that's where his nine-month-old son Juan now lives. I'm a big fan of casual sex. Just thought I'd mention it. <laughs> How old are you? I'll be, I'll be 59 in May. 59, right. So I'm 51. I'll, I'll...
0: I'm yeah. a wee bit behind you. I've got yeah, a you my beards a wee bit whiter than yours, though. Uh <laughs> no, mine goes pretty gray. <laughs> You're 59. So we're talking quite a long time ago, man, and your memory's brilliant. It's great that you can cast your memory back to a moment there. How old were you then when that was going on? Twelve. Twelve, man.
1: Twelve was a big year for me as well, because 12 was the year when I decided to become a performer. We went to we'd gone to but see you were 12. Uh, we would gone to see, yeah, we, we. I, I was kind of, I I started speaking and started, you know, being come more out gregarious and and it was like, we had, when I went to high school, we had a theater program, but when I was 12, we went, we did a school trip to see, to Stratford-upon-Avon in Ontario
0: right. uh,
1: to watch, to watch um, The Tempest. And it was like a school, there was all schools with 800 students from all over the province in their school buses and our class, and everyone's like shooting spit bombs and talking over it, and it's Shakespeare. And the teacher going, "Quiet, quiet, quiet!" And half listening, and kids like it was before phones. If it was phones, they'd all be on their phones. But they're all like kind of nudge each other and farting and be. <clears throat> and then there's this one part where uh, Ariel, the 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 the, the fairy, <clears throat> come appears on stage. But in this production, <clears throat> excuse me, in this production, Nicholas Pennell, who is a famous Canadian Shakespearean actor who I got to meet later in life, he dropped the ceiling open pretty much and he, dro- he came out of nowhere. He dropped. And he was about 70, 60 feet off the ground in the middle. Of, we were all on the back uh, uh, in the audience and it was lit and it was white and his was huge, big wings. And he had this booming voice of like, I <laughs> of Ariel arriving. And the place went completely silent in shock and awe. And I just sat there and went, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I want to be able to do. And what I, I think, looking back in now that I've processed it, because I want, want to have the power to shut 800 people up and have them stop and listen to me so a pin would drop. And, I, and it was, that was my, my first event in theatre that made me go... I, I want to do that. I want to do that. That's amazing. Wow. Boy, that's... And I, I went home and told my mom all about it. And then, it, then I went to a high, school, a high school that happened to have a really good theater program. And the teacher, Frank Luke, teachers are very important. And um, sadly, Frank has passed away. One of the most important people in my life, Frank Luke, uh, picked, saw me as a 14-year-old and went, you know, you're, wow, you're really good at this kind of thing. And I was like, oh, I didn't know. I don't know. Oh, well, maybe. And see, just sort of putting me in productions. And then as I got became a bit older, I started writing my own shows and directing the shows and being in them. Um, and then ended up going to the the Sears Drama Festival, which is like a, when I was 15, Sears Drama Festival, like a nationwide drama festival. I took a production. I re-scripted uh, Romeo and Juliet, uh, and I called it a Space Idiocy, uh, 2013. And then, which is funny thinking about 2010, I think, or something. Uh, where where it was a parody of Romeo and Juliet, and it got to the the finals, and, and I won I won a, a an award for a performance award when I was just a kid. I didn't really know what I was doing, and I'm not wasn't I wasn't I didn't walk around bragging about it, but I just it was a paint I won a painting a, a watercolor painting, and part the other part of it is they gave our whole school our whole class a a, a whole afternoon with a, a guy called Keith Johnson who wrote the book on improv. So improv, as you know, if you've ever seen the comedy store players or or whose line is anyone television. Yeah, Keith Johnson. It. Keith Johnson is the one that devised the entire thing. It's called Impro. Wow. And you could buy the book. We when I was 15 at the end, uh, we had a whole day session with him. Our all the actors in the show and all, all the kids in our theater program. At lunch, he said to my teacher, Frank, he said, Frank, get bring Phil over here. And he went, Phil, have you have you done this before? And I was like, No, I just I'm just doing I'm just doing what you tell me he's like so you've never done any improv before i said no i'm just i'm just trying to do what you tell me and he just went look here's the the name aubrey schreiber runs the uh, theater sports uh in downtown toronto if you and your friend maybe barry or one of the other kids if you guys put a little group together go and do some of his um classes we might put you on at at theater sports because aubrey runs the you know, he lived, uh, Keith was out from out west. And so I, I, we did that. And I met, I, I formed a group with me and my friend Barry Davis, who's now a big TV exec in Canada and works with, uh, um, you know, big, biggish named people. Um, and Nick John, who went on to become the head of Second City in Chicago, we formed a little group called the Dumb Ideas. We were like teenagers. And, and, all, and all the improvisers are all like late teens or early 20s. They just thought we were hilarious and, and kids and funny. And that and that's that was what led me t- uh, to go to at seventeen, run away from home, run away from my Christian upbringing, and and go to theater school and and apply for loads of theater schools, which my parents didn't want me to do. I was, going to, say parents, to you, I was
0: going to say, how did your parents respond to that? Because they it's hated it. against. It. What did your parents want you to do? To become a minister. Really, they wanted you so, to go So my so my but hold on a minute, hold on a minute, like. Right. This is this is where my mind goes. All right, so your dad's not a minister; he's an elder because there's twelve of them and all that sort of stuff. But you just said your parents wanted you to be a minister.
1: No, a speaker, a speaker. Like they, so traveling. The, the Brethren Church has guest ministers, guest, guest speakers every week that travel around the whole of the Brethren Assembly. Like a prophet. <clears throat> well, like uh, no, just the teachers, teachers, teachers of the Bible, Teachers t- so, teach of the, teach the Bible. Do, they? They might have like they might have like a three part uh thing on um baptism uh they might they might have three same so, 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 so three like three a weeks keynote or... speaker
0: almost yeah
1: so three weeks in a row you get the same guy they we'd have your normal you'd have your you'd have your elder would go up and introduce the thing you'd have the choir leader who would lead some sing and they say so now our speaker for the week is uh, all the way from texas is this gotcha. guy And he'd come up and he would do and it might be a one-off or he might stay for a couple he might stay with people for a couple of weeks and and they and it sh- shares the knowledge all around. But
0: my curiosity goes. Well, how how does that become a career? How, do you get paid for it? Is, there, is there a it a how does that work for this? Well,
1: I think I think you get paid. It's unlike these um, televangelists who make millions, millions who rip people yeah. who rip people off and use tithing. They use tithing, being the idea you give ten percent of your income to the church. Is yeah. tithing is quite big in the Brethren like church the Catholics,
0: but, i suppose
1: yeah it's but it's a, it's in the Brethren church it's a humble all the money goes back into the building and the needs and they have a huge outreach program they 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 deal with people with um, drug addictions and uh people that have lost husbands and wives so your service
0: people, your service to the community the wider community is is the job
1: it, it is the key is the key yeah mm-hmm. and so these these ministers would move from place to place, and I mean, obviously they they, they might maybe there were lawyers as well. Maybe there were they had other things they secondary, did in between time
0: secondary or Second, this, yeah. Yeah. yeah they and, could
1: be jo- yeah they could be they could be joiners they could be carpenters you know they could be but uh, their
0: service then, would be to offer that service and do that do that ju- go and do
1: that yeah go and do that duty yeah beautifully and, 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 and the church and they might say to the church to the to the deacons you know I can't really come there but I I can't have, like they we need to buy my flight they get a flight and maybe they give them give them a the course an, an, honor, an honorarium or something to yeah. say to say thank you this is you know
0: valuable so wow my what's parents want to make so, so, so listen here's, here's a here's a give it one more plus one what's, more plug. what's the what's the it's the of the brotherhood what's it called your dad's the brethren assembly the brethren assembly so the, brother, the brethren the are, brethren
1: there's different types of brethren the brethren at uh, the most exclusive are almost like Mennonites or or hutterites or the amish where they they don't they believe buttons are evil because buttons come undone too easy. Everything it's this old you know old school
0: traditional. Um,
1: ger- yeah, it's a German. is a German, but there's also the River Brethren who are an Irish. A sect of it, who are they? Still, when I was going to church, the men would sit on one side, the women would sit on their side with veils. So when it comes to understanding, people talk about Islam and all this. You know, get so offended by the burke and all that stuff. There's a bit of me going. uh, It's not that far off. It's not that long ago that Christian churches did the same thing that women kept their heads covered. Yeah, I I grew up.
0: I grew up that so in the Catholic church, the women would go to mass. They'd have a veil on. Bit of veil, yeah um when they take it off when they come out of mass but that when they were in mass they've the veil on
1: yeah yeah so yeah you know so 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 that was that was the that was the bendale bible chapel in in scarborough and um yeah that was i mean that was i was obviously just, just a kid when i was 14 i wasn't really allowed to listen to um much secular music unless it was christian so for some reason we could listen to johnny my brother listened to johnny cash because he johnny was a christian so he kind of got away with it somehow mm-hmm. but i i uh, my brother realized we were listening to christian rock music <laughs> which is like which is like normal rock music with, with the word jesus on it like, you know jesus you know so <laughs> but my brother andrew was a bit older than me when he had a car he 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 had a a car like a souped up he was a motorhead so he had a, a souped up um, uh, Capri V6 that uh, with the CB radio, and he was a bit of a naughty boy. When we get in the car, he would put in cassettes or V8 V uh, what do they call them? Eight tracks of like Boston, or or Stevie Wonder, or or he loved Stevie Wonder or Monty Python because he loved comedy. So you know, sit on your face, then tell me that you love me. Sit on my face and tell, and the, so we were like. As Christian kids, this was the fucking bomb for me. So when I was 14, my brother was a bit older. He, re- I realized that you could take a Christian rock album like the Phil Keggy band. Phil Keggy was a great guitar player, but Christian. Take that album out take the album out of the sleeve, take it out of the house, take the album out of the sleeve, replace it with The Clash's Sandinista, bring the album back in, put the it on my on. turntable in my room, put my headphones on, but show the Phil Keggy Benz. When my mom looked in the room, I'd be like, hey, mom. She's like, how are you? I'd be like, praise the Lord. Yep. And then, but, in, but I'd be listening to, my daddy was a bank robber. And I think <laughs> I just started to realize that maybe you can't, all of the miracles and things that happen in the Bible that my parents believe are this is the word of God, and therefore, definitely, most definitely, happened that Noah's Ark happened. The Earth was created in seven days. That it's not as it's not as obvious as that. I started thinking this is bullshit, actually. And- well, that's
0: a, that's a that's an interesting point, right? Because obviously, I'll just jump in and know you know my my upbringing of how I've went from Catholicism, Christianity islam and buddhism and i live with that australian aboriginals right so i have a collective idea of what's going on i took my time of course i was indoctrinated by catholicism and i thank them for it it was an amazing journey i wanted to be a priest i'm sure you yeah. know that i write yeah. about my books i wanted to be a priest it was the biggest thing and then the priesthood mocked me and left me and and basically by their by their way of mocking me when i asked them to join the priesthood they threw me into the marines hands because the marines gave me lots of love and lots of respect and asked Mm -hmm. me to do things for them that i did and then they gave me lots of credibility and then i joined the marines and it was like so i went from wanting to serve god to go and fight for god and i justified that in my head and then when i got to iraq I was dead nervous about going over there, and I was going to fight the war. I was going to fight the, I was going to kill as many people as I could who were trying to kill us. And then I got there, and I found out that the Islamic, the Muslim people in Iraq were beautiful people. Generally, the people I met they were family people, they were loving, and they were kind, and they were generous. Yeah, they were praying five times a day because the war was there. They didn't always pay five times a day, but because of the war was there, they were praying five times a day, and they would stop, they would do things, they'd go over, they'd sit and yeah. they'd kneel on their mat. And I was like, oh. but because I was brought up wanting to be part of the Catholic Church. Yeah, I respected it, and I was like, I, I was intrigued. Tell me more. Tell me more. And and, and, a, and a Shia guy taught me, um, for a year. Um, Shukar taught me for, for a year the Shia mindset of Islam. And then when I was the head of security of the Iraqi government, another guy, a Ak- Colonel, um, Hashim, taught me the Sunni method of. I, I didn't tell him this year. Taught me because I know there are differences. And then he taught me the Sunni um ideology of the Islam. And it was just slightly different. we will not talk about that now. It's not what we're talking about. Sure, but I could sure. recognize there's a divide in that. And when yeah. I got to Thailand, like, you know, I studied Buddhism. I lived with the Australian Aboriginals and I studied tribalism. So I've got, I have this holistic idea of my experiences where I can say, hmm, you're kind of all right. You're not all all right. You're kind of all right. Do you mean there's yeah. a piece of piece of everything there that is absolutely genuine i love it and i yeah. respect it and i really really admire your faith in it yeah. but i'm just sitting back on my own going mm. but i also have an opinion having studied this 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 and this that maybe you're missing something yeah and i think that's what christians <clears throat> hate it catholics hate it buddhists hate it muslims hate it everyone hates it when you say mm, but maybe you're not 100 percent right
1: Is that not the, is that not the, the, the beliefs of the Baha'i Brith and as a little bit that I've read about it is they believe that all these things are correct and 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 that there, and that there's, that there should be a, a a unity in, in that belief because it's all pointing to the same thing, which is trying to find out why, where, where we're coming, where we come from and why we die and explain unknown. You not know, uh, there is there's
0: a couple of there's a couple of institutions and, and faiths that believe that. Uh, it's not just one, but, but my point my point and and it's always this because I do believe in Jesus, number one, fundamentally, right? It's just imagine if Jesus came along right now, right? And there's a part of the more digression, but we'll go there quite quickly. But there's a part of the Bible which says Jesus was um reading the Torah at twelve years old, the same age as you breaking through your stutter and coming into the acting world or or into the performing world, same transition. So if you can think about that time in your life when you felt absolute that you wanted to do something, I was the same when I found boxing. I was absolute, I want to be a warrior. So I can identify at 12 years old, he's finding I can read really well, I can talk really well, and I can spread this message really well. So Jesus at the point, the same as you and I are are in our life, are going, well, I could be an authority in this if I wanted to. So he's found a career path. And then he disappears, 12 years old to 28 years old. Let's say, you know, some people say 30, some people, whatever, you know, (laughs) it doesn't matter, does it really, if it's 25, 26, It's just that period of time. He just just disappears. And then when you start to research it, like I've done, I've obsessed over it for a few years. He and his family members, we'll not go into who because it's another podcast for another time, but we want to try and keep this quite fun. He went from age of 14 <laughs> to the age of, sort of 16, 17, traveling along the Palestinian trade route, it was called, which is <laughs> this war right now. It's like yeah. that was in Jesus' time. It was called the Palestinian. It wasn't called the It was the yeah. Palestinian trade route, and that's what they went And it led them to northern India. In northern India, he then went into the mountains and let's say Tibet or Kashmir. And he found out about Buddhism and he spent a long time there. And then coming back from there, he went through Europe, he went through Africa and then ended up back in the Middle East. And during that time, you've got all this wisdom that this Christ man, this Jesus would have had. It was unbelievable because if you've ever gone travel, which you have and a few, a lot of these listeners have, if you've gone out your own country and you've traveled on your own and you've traveled for years and years and years and you come back, you're so wise, but it's very difficult to find the language to tell your friends what you learn because they're not living that life and it's a bit outlandish for them to even hear it. And Jesus turns up and he's, let's say, Jerusalem or Bethlehem or Nazareth and he's like, hey, but guess what, man. See if you close your eyes and you breathe really deep, you really have this peacefulness. And and, and let's try it. It's like, yeah. oh, oh that's really amazing. You, I'm, I've just, I, I've, I, I used to, I couldn't sleep, but now I can sleep. Oh my yeah. God, I used to think this, but I don't think. And you imagine how much of a superstar he was becoming, right? And then because he'd done it for so long, it would be like what. 14 years to 28 years. What's that? 14 years, right? So he's traveling yeah. around for 14 years. He comes back an absolute different guy and tells you the story. Three years later, he's dead. He's crucified, and everyone's still talking about him to this day. Yeah, that's impressive. So yeah. when you look at Buddha, it's the kind of same story, you know. Buddha's like a warrior, shag monster, having three sons, having foursomes, and doing drugs and all that sort of stuff. He's destined to be the 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 leader of his dad's kingdom or the republic. And he does the same thing, you know. And he walks out the the gates and goes, "What's all these dead people? What's all these sick people?" And they say, "Oh, you can't let them in because it would destroy the kingdom." And he walked back to his dad's like, "Hey, dad, what are you doing? I'm not, I'm not happy about this, man. There's people out there that need help." And he's like, "No, son, we can't let them in because they'll make us sick and they'll make us poor. was the way it is." It's just, it's like. <laughs> he's like, "No, I'm not having yeah. it." And then he does a runner and shoots off for eight years, and he's gone for eight years learning meditation and all these different things and fasting and all that, and he comes back a different guy shags his wife, ends up having a son, and then bails again, never seen again. But then the Sanskrits come 400 years later telling you about what he what he was talking about because people were talking about what he did for 400 years. That's amazing. And yeah. then you've got Muhammad yeah. He goes for a walk in the mountains because he wants to do a bit of meditation, walks into a, a, a cliff, um, and a cave and then the angel Gabriel just like the angel Gabriel came to Jesus mom and says hey listen this is what's going on this is the truth this is what's happening and he's like how am I going to tell people I can't read and I can't write he's like don't worry about it. sing this surah sing this song he walks singing that song down from the mountain and he goes to his little cousin Ali who's 12 years old and he says Ali listen write this down and he sings that surah sings that song and then he keeps on doing that and that's how the surah that's how the uh, yeah. the Quran yeah. was written and that's amazing because people are, oh, nah, you're crazy, man. Get out of here. You're off, you're off your head. You're off your head. And then all of a sudden, all these different things happen. Like, oh man, that's what Muhammad said. And then he becomes a prophet. And then, so it's not out of your logical mind to realize that these people had a real existence. It's historically proven that they all yeah. said and done these things. So when you come to the end of the story and you go, hmm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. As a story of each of them, but everyone who believes in them going ah, but you got to believe me. You got to believe me. If you don't believe me, you're going to hell. If you don't believe me, you're going to go. You'll be dead. That's it. You'll be you cast. You'll be killed. You'll be. And it's like yeah, but when you say that, mm. that's all the followers though. <clears throat> that's all it the makes, followers. It makes yeah. me
1: think I don't want to follow you. That's all I'm, the followers. I'm, I'm that's that's my own. F- fans are. Fans are crazy. There's two it. two two thoughts came up in that. First of all, I I once said to my mom, but well, I've done it. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's what I do i i am a i am an evangelist but i just evangel i'm an evangelist for my own thoughts and i tell i use my comedy. i stand on stage and i tell people what i actually think about things and Mm -hmm. and use try to use try to use comedy to enlighten them as to as to not to laugh at themselves and not make the same mistakes that i made and i'm usually the fall guy in all my stories and my brothers are called andrew stephen and andrew stephen was the first um uh, martyr for Christ. Andrew Excellent. was the first disciple of Christ, and Philip was the first uh, um, epo- um, evangelist. Yeah. My parents named us that accordingly.
0: And, um, and- this, but I'm Paul. I'm Paul. Yeah, so I know I'm, that. I'm Denny yeah. Denham, but I'm Paul Denham. Yeah. And I don't call the Marines called me Denny, so I became Denny Denham. But my mom yeah. and dad, my, my brother's called Thomas. Yeah. I'm called Paul. My sister's yeah. called Claire. Yeah. Based on the same same principles. In so, the same-
1: but- Exactly, and they, 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 my parents want to imbibe that. And, and I, I remember driving to from Abu Dhabi to Dubai because I've, I've performed in fifty-two countries in the world. That's how much I've traveled. That's just performing. That's so yeah. I've I've, had, I've got a really good. I, I know I've not it does not wisdom, but I can tell you a lot about what people are like, and that's that. And that is that they're the same wherever you go. They have children. They want their children to be fed and educated and grow up healthy and big and take care 100%. of them when they're old
0: period. I've I've not, I've not traveled 52 countries, but I've done a lot. And what I'm telling you now and the people listening and the people watching, I I sussed out back in the early or the mid nineties, the world is at peace. Yeah. Everyone in the world's at peace. We're all like-minded. We're all the same. You go into any, any country, no matter where it be, Asia, the Middle East, uh, I've not been to Africa, you know, the Americas we're talking all over the world. Yeah. You're going to meet people, and they're going to go, "Ah, it's wonderful to meet you." And they'll they'll feed you for nothing. They'll they'll look after you. They'll give you guidance. They do whatever they. It's amazing. And I found that when I left the Marines in 1997 and I travelled the world, especially to Australia, I met multicultural people. Meet people from all the world, and I was like, "Wow, there's I'm meeting a guy from Israel. I'm meeting a guy from Palestine. I'm meeting a guy from Africa. I'm meeting a guy from Russia. I'm meeting a guy from Norway. I'm meeting a guy from all over the world," and everyone got on. Yeah, maybe they didn't get on with me because I was getting no. that deep. I was getting deep, and I was like asking questions. You know, I was like, "Yeah, but I want to know about spirit, man." And they were like, "Come on, man, just lighten up, just get drunk." And I was like, mm, yeah. I "Don't want to get drunk." And you know, so I isolated myself. Yeah. I ended up living with the Aboriginals and asking them about Dreamtime because I had sixteen to twenty-four as a marine and war, and I was coming out, and these people who were coming from university were like, "Oh, we Australian, uh, yeah." get drunk, do yeah. buckets, and eat food. I was like, "Yeah, well, there's been something deeper. I was chasing something deeper, but but the world's yeah. at peace, brother, as you know." Yeah, well, I well, I was
1: driving, and I got we'd stopped at a at a, at a um a service station. It's a high high end service station. But there's a, there's no, there's no magazines of porn mags and all that. It's like, all, even the, even the, all the magazines are under brown wrappers. It's cosmopolitan Rolling Stone, but even then no covers showing it. Uh, it's all fresh fruit shakes and, and the services like they're so generous and nice and kind and happy. How are you really happy to help? And The whole wall, the one side of the whole service station was, it was the Quran, you know, uh, that, that for sale that, you know, a wall of it. Right. It's it's it was, I've never seen anything quite like it. And it just hit me. I thought my my dad would love this. Yeah. My, my father would love this. So I rang him. It was the early days of telephones. He was on his landline. And I was like, oh, you're you're not going to believe this. And it was before a camera phone. So I couldn't show him. I I'm, mean, yeah. I'm, I'm in the middle. You, you, you don't realize that this thing because there's a natural prejudice that comes from the Christian West towards Islam.
0: Absolutely. But actually,
1: they're the same people. So I said to my dad it was I described the place I said there's a wall of the crown he said well that would be great son if it was the bible or you know I was like well, dad, imagine if that was a wall of bibles imagine if you went to every service station you went to in Canada had a wall of bibles you'd be over the moon you'd be like so maybe in some way these people here are, are advanced for what you want I don't personally uh, subscribe to it but um, my, dad, my dad it took him a while to get his head around that he went and are they because they just assume it's a third world country that's that's dirty and it's horrible it's like it's not it's a first world country they've got so much money it's ridiculous and everything's clean and the people are really friendly and, is and it, happy but, to help
0: but the thing is with the this is this is this is this is i love that you just said that because that was my experience with the muslim people but i've done a lot of research now i'm not saying but because there's a a negative thing what you're saying is cleanliness is godliness in christianity Judaism, and islam they're all abrahamic they believe in the same beginning prophets this is what frustrates me and gets me angry the protestants say excuse me the protestants say the catholics for fundamental reasons the shia muslims Hate the the Sunni Muslims for fundamental reasons, yeah. right? And the Kurds and the Turks and they all have different different interpretations of the same story. Yeah. This is where I stand in the middle and go right. Okay, listen, I would rather be here holding your hand as a Christian, holding your hand as a Catholic. They're fully different things. Holding your hand as a Shia, holding your hand as a Sunni, Turk, Kurd. Buddhist tribalism atheist. I can stand in the middle and can tell you a story of this and a story of that. What I don't like and what I've never liked is when they say if you don't believe the way I'm telling you it, you are the devil, basically. And then over here you've got these people going, Islam, or people who are Muslim are worshiping the devil, oh, yeah. and you've got people in their world going, people who are Christian are worshiping the devil. Yeah, but but. It, it, it it contradicts itself. and I don't know if you know this, yeah. but in the surah in the in the Quran, surah ninety two is based is is set out to describe Miriam, which is Jesus's mum. In the Bible, the New Testament, there isn't any chapter or verses dedicated to Jesus's mum. In Christianity, she's not regarded as a virgin. In Islam, she is. Right, so you can see. It's not, as imp- it's not as simple as going, oh, I'll believe this or I'll believe that. It's where you're born, geographically where you're born. How you're indoctrinated into God will be what your fundamental beliefs are. I think that's dangerous. So I don't align myself with any religion. I'm I'm fundamentally a Catholic because that was where I, fu- I pray the rosary. I still pray. I pray all the time. I pray to God. I don't pray to Jesus so much. I go directly to God. I th- ask in Jesus name it was my savior uh, but I also ask that these prayers are, are understood to all the prophets all the saints all the angels and all the gods right so I pray in a certain way but my point w- w- where you were saying I can't remember what the name of those guys are. what are they called the the ones who believe in everything
1: oh the I think they're called the Baha'i breath the
0: Baha'i breath yeah but there's, as Baha'i I said, Brith. there's a couple others that I recognize as they're called as well I don't align with them either because they also have an indoctrine where they want to be in charge. Now, mm. the people of the world don't need anyone in charge when it comes to faith because the whole point of faith, and then we're diverting away from our comedy here, but we'll go for it. The whole point of faith, Phil, right, is that you have a relationship with your maker, your God, your universe, whoever it is you want to align to. You have to have a relationship with that entity, or with that energy, or with that dimension, whatever it is. It doesn't ever, not even in Islam, Um, I think in Islam it says if you're relying on your brothers to give you your faith, I can't remember what it says, and I shouldn't even try and quote it, but it says don't align with anyone in your faith with God, that's yours to God. The same in, in Christianity is like you are a son of God or a daughter of God. So therefore, and you should be having a relationship with God. God is a selfish God and you shouldn't be looking to any other idols. So as soon as you look to a prophet, you're looking to an idol. As soon as you look into a priest or, or an imam or something like that, they're idols. So you're doing everything against it. As soon as you say, I support Israel or I want to kill Hamas. Or as soon as you say, I support Palestine, I want to kill Israel. As soon as I say, and all these different things that go on. You're, you're, you're expelling yourself from your heaven. You're never going to get to it. You're well,
1: never- I, I, yeah, I'm, I've, I have a very complex um, relationship to all these ideas, but I, I'm, fun- I'm fundamentally a hedonist. And, I, a hedonist? and I, I, and I, and I, am a fund, I'm a fundamental What's hedonist. What's that mean? What's I, that mean? I, 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 I believe that we're, we're here to uh, enjoy it's a, it's whatever whatever you whatever you believe where you come from where we go to it's up to you but i believe we're here to enjoy ourselves and to be to be good to one another and to explore our feelings and taste senses hearing uh, visuals i believe in the arts i believe in in giving people i think i think arts are 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 if I was going to worship anything, it would be art. It would be the idea that we are there to create things for each other, to take the pressure off the weight of Mm -hmm. the unknown uh, after of the afterlife and what death is to take it away from each other. And therefore I'm, I, I have a joke. I'm a fundamental head. I'm going to go onto a bus and explode in fun. (laughs) And I'm going (laughs) to, I'm, I'm going to, I I want, I want to, I want to, to be, to be, uh, uh, you know, I I don't want to to be a a follower of uh, a strict uh, uh, set of rules that yeah. i have to follow we ha- we hold them in ourselves i'm a humanist and we hold them in ourselves and people that believe if you don't believe in god you must be an evil person are completely backwards because if exactly uh, joseph campbell's power of myth or or you you, know, you listened to jay krishnamurti or anyone who are outside religions who have deep philosophical and and ideas about what it, where it is who we are and why we believe these things that aren't that are non-religious, in the sense that they tell us, do not follow these strictly like a religion. These are simply my- our ideas. The J-, J. Krishnamurti Foundation was set up. And the first thing they say is, we do not want you following this like a religion. But what everything the man said he was brought into if you know anything about him he at 12 he was brought into uh, a, a religion to become the voice of it because he was so eloquent and as a young man and he left them and they they, they threw him out and said this guy's a he's a bum and he, and he actually is just well that's I, I he's smarter than that he's wiser than that and he's like i don't want you to follow me the way other religions have been followed because what the outcome of that is war hatred uh, f- fighting, derision, division, and and the loss of life, and that's not Agreed. what I'm. So that's, so so that's if you read exactly
0: Christian, what I sit here today, yeah. saying I'm a beacon with a handout to all these entities who believe yeah. in these things, you need well, to the Islamic guys need to understand the Christian guys, the Buddhist needs to understand both of them. I would say I'm more into stoic stoicism, and yeah, more yeah, yeah. I'm more of look if you if you. If you look after yourself in a way that you look after your fitness, your health, your mind discipline. Yeah. And yeah. And you 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 give out good energy and you you don't get caught up in everyone else's dramas. You're responsible for yourself. Yeah. Therefore, you're gonna give out an energy that's gonna be a positive impact. I wrote attitude yeah. revolution Sen- based on these principles. Seneca Seneca said a memento more.
1: Memento more, which means except you die.
0: That's the first thing. That's part except, of... Sources, or, it, or,
1: or it's you, you can t- translate... No, to, but no, remember, medicine on it. Remember remember you die. Remember you die. And if you re- remember that's the, you die, that's the principle you, of you, it. Su- you, you suddenly become a much nicer kind of person who, right. who enjoys singing a song, but can drink in moderation. Uh, will, if you see a kid fall down, you go and help it up. If you see an old man struggling with a bag, you go and help him because you have to remember, so you, uh, they, are, they are you and we are them. And we are, you are me, and we are all together. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it's not hokey-cokey. It's not a hot pie in the sky uh, spirituality thing that I, I believe in in in, sp- in the spirit, but in the spirit of the person to do the right thing if given the opportunity, if given the choice. If their minds are clouded and confused by what am I supposed to do in this situation? They will do the wrong thing, which is why we end up with a, a religious war the, in the, the middle problem, of, of the, problem the Middle East. The problem
0: is it's not because what they want to do. Generally, it's because what the peers are doing. It's the general consensus of what everyone's thinking. Generally, people jump onto it, and it's that sheeple kind of vibe, right? <laughs> but the thing is that you just mentioned there, and, and it's for me, I lived through a war, right? So I expected to die every day. I didn't think I was yeah. going to die every day, but I expected to die every day. It was it's a yeah. weird one, isn't it? It's like a 50-50. I expect yeah. to die, I'm good with it. Um, I, I'm not going to die, I have faith in it. Right. So yeah. I'm I'm mixed. I don't care. If I die, uh eh, if I uh, but I don't think I'm gonna die. So I'm gonna live like I'm not gonna die, but I am aware that I could die. So yeah, that's that's what drove me not drove me towards being stoic, it drove me to Understand when I read and heard about stoicism or being stoic, I could yeah. align with it real quickly and go, well, well, wow, that was what the, the the emperors of 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 the Roman Empire I was thinking, right? It was like, yeah, yeah I get that, man. That makes yeah, more
1: Marcus sense. Marcus Aurelius was a general, so Aurelius, he understood death. And,
0: and this is this is who we're talking about, and and not who we're talking about, but what we're talking about is that individualism is you are going to be awesome to the world if you take responsibility for who you become if you get angry with everyone and if you get pissed off uh, because someone said something this is that should revolution my book if someone makes you cry because they said some words you have a problem if someone makes you afraid because you had a group of words together you have a problem you can't be emotionally attached to these words You've got to be fully confident in who you are. When you wake up in the morning, you got to know, what am I going to do? I'm going to do this. Why are you going to do that? Because it aligns me to what I want to achieve in the next 10 years. I don't care. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. But that's my point. So anyway, we drift off from into, as we always said, we would go from comedy into the deep <laughs> world so well, let, me take, let, me, let me take this back Phil because I know that you're a deep deep character and I know that your, your humour is, is, is it comes from a deep deep place and one of the funniest things I've ever heard you do and, and we talk about it, my wife and I all the time is I'm the only gay Eskimo <laughs> <laughs> well I go out still hunting
1: with my best friend Tarka but all. That- how you? I get excited when I see the North Pole. (laughs) See the North Pole. (laughs) Now, like the Proclaimers would sing it, I'm the only Eskimo. Well, I'm the only one I know.
0: so if i have one regret in my life phil one regret right yeah. i don't have many regrets i can justify even the worst things i've done in my life right but i have one regret you run a workshop in my bar I think there was maybe what, 10, 15 people there or something like that. And then we had an event where they
1: We put, we, put the show on, yeah.
0: Put the show on, right? So yeah. you were the opening, you introduced the guys, the guys came up and gave, I think, five minute gig. Yeah. Yeah. And and they all had a go. It was a hilarious, amazing moment in my bar. It, it was the most thing, yeah. amazing moment that happened in my life to see the yeah. fact that I'd learned about comedy, even just to the point of the seating positions of where the chairs would be, how the stage uh-huh. would be set up and all that sort of stuff. I learned yeah. so much. Yeah. But I have one regret. I didn't become part of the workshop. No. I didn't go away and make a you bit a set. I would love to do that. I was I was, being more, you know, that military guy, I was the leader, I had to make sure everything was read and everything was good for you. And uh, that's one regret. I wish I did that. So I'm going to put it out to you maybe one day, hopefully, um in the future we can do a mastermind and do the same thing again and do a <laughs> workshop, a Phil nickel sure. mastermind on stand-up comedy and see if we can get people sure. online, and see if we can get a lot more people than fifteen people. But sure. what you did for the bar and what you did for the people was amazing that night. It was well hilarious. that was
1: that was fun. I've I've still remained friends with a couple of them. Uh and Tyrone Stallone, if you remember, was this yeah, uh yeah. A little um, stocky, muscular uh, black dude from Portland who who was running away from some bad shit in some bad gang shit that he was involved in and was yeah. just never and never went back. I think he went to India after that. He's now in wow. Berlin. He's now one of like the top alternative English speaking companies, in does wow. it professionally, runs wow. gigs. Wow. And and that and that's all off the back of him.
0: That's sure. That, what that
1: that, that 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 workshop and that and was
0: that, the power of it what you brought to the i mean like that's yeah. why i say it's my regret because i sat in the background at the bar listening to everything you said and what you were teaching was gold i mean it took, it, it gave me a whole new understanding of comedy yeah. stand-up yeah. comedy not just as the important to, <laughs> to to have the the funny jokes but yeah also sure the presentation as a as a as an owner of a venue to how we set that up, how we promote yeah. that, and everything. else. I learned so much. But the funniest thing of all of that was on that night when you were performing, yeah. I had just been given the the blood sample to say that you had dengue fever. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't want to give it to you. Yeah, so you had your show. I didn't want to ruin your show. Yeah, you know, I know. Either. that was the last two weeks of your time in Thailand. I was, I
1: nearly, it? Yeah, I nearly killed me. Now That's I'm gonna. I, I've got this. So comedy Yeah, I've got. I tell the story, and I'll probably sign off on this, Danny, because you, you'll really appreciate this. I was on the tube, and uh, a packed tube, no seats on the uh, people standing, and this old guy got on. He was like, he looked like he was in his 80s, and he was, but he's a big guy, uh, tall. Uh, a stalk, oh, but an older man and I said and I stood up immediately I went hey excuse me do you want, do you want to sit down and he went no no don't worry about that laddie if I uh if I sit down I will be able to stand up again and so I I'd already stood up and there was a woman there was people packed so I said to this I said to this girl you know why well, you, you sit down there and I stood up uh, hanging on beside this guy and you know how old people venture their opinion. express he just started talking to me he went he went you know what I was in the I tried to join i was in world war one I, I was in the d-day landings i tried to join the army at 15 and they wouldn't let me and when i was 16 i was in the d-day landings i was in a tank and in that tank there's only th- of all the tanks that landed on the the beaches only three survived the whole war and ours was mine was one of them and i was in the tank when it landed and i was in the tank when the war ended and there was three tanks on that that, that survived the war there was only one t- of the tanks where the whole crew serve all five of us survived. And it was my tank. I've been friends with those five guys my entire life. Um, there's only two of us left and I go and see him every second day. I go and see him. And every second day he comes to see me where I'm i I'm an 80, however old he was, 87 year old man. Um, our wives passed away about five years ago and, uh, and, and, and we're, and we're best mates. And uh, and and I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't. He's been a friend for life. We fought in that tank, shot in that tank, fought in that tank, fought in that tank, survived in that tank. And and I was like, wow, that's amazing. And he said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a stand-up comedian. And went, well, that's a hard job, isn't it? <laughs> 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 that's a difficult job. And I was just going, you've just told me your life story about how you fought from D-Day. To the end up to this point where you're seeing your friend over you and you think that being a comedian is difficult. And that's that's people's attitude towards it, Danny.
0: But it has been. And, and when I when I left the Marines, right, and, and we'll, we'll start to wind down now. But when I when I left the Marines, I looked at the world's biggest fears and I wanted to conquer them. First thing was public speaking. Um, I think I've conquered <laughs> that. And, you know, I spoken in front of thousands of people. So I've conquered that. But, but that was the, the, the most important for me. The, what, public speaking was one of the biggest fears. And then when you think about it, you know, like like I, I learned how to play guitar. You're an amazing musician. You're an amazing talent. Your voice is amazing. Your I, I can't give you enough kudos to to how much I really enjoy listening to your comedy, your guitar playing, your your performance. It's it's well crafted. It's absolute genius, mate.
1: Sorry, you dropped out there. Could you just say all that again?
0: Yeah, I'll do it one more time. <laughs> no, <I'm
1: kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. Just but keep you, saying, No, no, I just but <laughs> I, I see something going around.
0: But you're an absolute genius. You're an absolute genius. And, and I'm going to through this podcast, um, Phil, what I'm gonna be doing is I'm gonna be having little breaks. I don't have any ads in my podcast. I'm gonna have yeah. little breaks. I'm gonna put little clips of, of your comedy up as we okay. go through. Um, okay. and I mentioned the the gay Eskimo song, that's gonna be in there as well. And I'm gonna I'm gonna end on your performances your performance as well. I think you're a genius, mate um i i I'd, I'd love to come to one of your shows one of your most recent shows but before before we go i would like to, to tell us what you're doing now you're in america of course i met you when you were in the uk you were traveling sort of you're doing the edinburgh festivals you were doing the the london circuit and all that sort of stuff what are you doing now mate tell us tell the tell the listeners and the viewers what it is you're doing now and if they're in that those areas of of america how can they come and see you how can they get hold of you and um and how can they book a show?
1: Well, I'm on. I'm I, right now. I'm on a contract um, with a company called Spiegel World, who run uh, circus, cabaret, theater shows uh, uh, in in Las Vegas generally. And I'm in Atlantic City because Caesar's Palace has opened a show here called The Hook. Uh, I'm a host. I'm the host of The Hook. I play a character called Dick Marlin, uh, and everybody loves Dick uh it's a it's a racy saucy kind of um uh circus performance like it's imagine Cirque du Soleil but with with adult humor
0: yeah awesome.
1: um there's a couple of other comedians in the show there's a, another comedian in the show who is my co-host who I live with here called Scout um and she's uh she comes from uh, Kansas City and uh, she's gay and uh, the, her material is very much about her about herself and very. Uh, uh what do you call it um autobiographical so that shows on uh here at caesar's palace in atlantic city you can buy tickets for it's it's uh 10 shows a week wednesday to sunday uh, it's a beautiful sunny day out there today. I'm all, I'm always going to be back in the UK. If you want to catch up with me, I'm on Instagram, Philbo2000. Uh, I'm on TikTok at Phil Nickel, and I'm on Facebook at Phil Nickel, And you can find me on there. I put lots of clips up now. I'm starting to get into the social media idea all the kids are doing. So I'm putting up regular clips. No, I'm, so I'm noticing peek-
0: that. You're inspiring me because obviously with this podcast I'm supposed to do a lot of that, and my PR guy is always telling me, "Danny, you're never on social media as much as you should be." You need to do it, and it's like I know, but I'm also the editor, and I'm also the thing, and I do other things, and it's like, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, try to make what I'm doing now with the podcast more of a a full-time job i love it i love meeting guys like you i love having these conversations it just means i need to just direct more of my attention to it i
1: think if you just see it as part of the job then that's i've got someone helping me with it so just to clip stuff up i've had a clip go viral recently it's had 1.3 million views and uh had 86,000 likes and i've gained about 800 new followers in the last three weeks Uh, so it so it does pay off and I think it just has to be consistency it's not my funniest clip it's a clip about me uh I a true story when I um I met a girl at a barn. when when we went back to her place to to shag I discovered she had one leg and um and and it's a rather funny a rather (laughs) funny tale so if you go go and check that on online it's it's getting uh a lot it's also getting a lot of people going holy fuck you're weird but uh comedy is Re- real the real things are the funniest things and real and, life you know, is- and
0: and and that's the, that's one of the things and all these um links that we're talking about to that video and everything will be in the description box to this podcast where you're watching on spotify apple or youtube it will all be there for you to just click away and, and enjoy Phil's comedy. I, I I I advise you, please go. I'm
1: funnier than I have been on this podcast.
0: No, this was a podcast. <laughs> this is the Working Class Heroes podcast. This is always about you know, getting to know the people, getting to know why they became who they are, Phil, Phil, you, you, oh, I have, I have one comedy act that I loved watching when I was a kid. That was Billy Connolly, oh, and yeah. he would have me in stitches. Like yeah, I couldn't breathe. Good. I thought I was going to die. But at times I was like, Oh my god! I, I forgot to breathe, and I can't breathe, and then I'm going to palpitations, and and really sort of almost pass out by laughing with Billy Connolly. That's how much <laughs> yeah he made me laugh. You are the only comedian that's came close to oh. Billy Connolly. <laughs> that's and, ridiculous. And well, he's a genius. He's he was amazing. a genius as a Yumi and, and, but it's not, not just, it's, Billy's a different, different gig, comes from a different era. It was his, his ability to say the things that he could in that era that, that, yeah. that got me hilariously laughing, but you can do that. But what I know of you, what I've seen of you live as a person, <laughs> there some laughs, you know, as a person and as, as a, an act that I can see online you're you're a really really funny man and i really really respect and love your art and as i say guys there'll be loads of links down below in this description wherever you're watching this to mm-hmm. go and check out phil nickel mm-hmm. an absolute hilarious crazy motherfucker who's got yeah. a heart of gold
1: if you want to no. become really good friends with me you can punch
0: me in the face <laughs> I all right, let's just talk about. Let's finish <laughs> on that. He said to me, "How'd you become a gangster? How'd you become a gangster? I want be a gangster. Oh, I only do it." I was like, you oh. so become a gangster." Mate. And then and credit for him, he fucking jumped on me, jumped on me, and he came on my shoulders, and I just stood well, up.
1: Well, I've got wrestling skills, and so do I. I fucking did the Hulk Hogan and
0: smashed him again in the ground. <laughs> yeah, and that was that's how we ended up that story. It hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and in his email, he was like, "Hi, I'm yeah. Phil Nichol, you yeah. guy you broke his nose, gave a black eye to, and yeah. broke his rib, and and, and I, think uh, I think
1: I said, I think I said, I'd like you to teach me
0: how to never let that happen to, again. Uh, Yeah, that's what you said. Right? <laughs> and we did, and we did. And, and well, that was, that was, that I hope helped.
1: I never have to test that. Yeah, but
0: you <laughs> know what? Even your friends when in Edinburgh, they were all saying, "You know, Phil's a different man since he came back from that course." So <laughs> it was, it was, oh, well. it was an embarrassing time for me. But I did I, let I you
1: down think. a bit though, because I did, I, I did a uh, a white collar boxing thing for charity, and uh, and the guy and the other guy beat me. And I was like, no, you
0: didn't Deming let me know. Me. You didn't let me know. You didn't <laughs> let me know. I should have been there for you. So yeah, listen, no, you would have been in my Bill Nichol, thank you very see, much see for you, joining the Working Class Heroes podcast. I think you are an absolute working class hero. You're one of my working thank class you. heroes. I love the fact that you're my friend, and I look forward to watching you through the rest of your career. And hopefully, we can get you back onto the podcast at some point. And exactly maybe try and do a master class um, on how to be a stand-up comedy act. You're an absolute legend, mate. You're flying in your career. I'm so proud of you. Thanks for coming on the podcast, mate.
1: Thanks for having me. See you later. Thanks, everybody. I, uh, I read this and this is true, right? In the, Middle Ages, in the Middle Ages, right? In the Middle Ages, men used to make their women wear chastity belts, right? So when the men went off to war, the women couldn't fuck around on them, right? And the only people in the village who had the keys to the chastity belts were the locksmiths, which explains why today there are so many Smiths in the phone book. That's, uh... No, that's true, that's true. That's how you know what your family used to do for a living. Your name is Smith, your family used to be Smiths, Taylor, Taylor, Baker, Baker. So for a laugh, right, for a laugh, me and my friend Alan Penis Puller, we decided to look at the... Phone. I mean, that's that, that, that's not funny, you guys. His father was a priest. Okay, that's, uh... you guys want to hear a rewind? I said I woke up this morning the big fat cock in my mouth. <laughs> I said I woke up this morning the big fat cock in my mouth. I <laughs> 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 Okay, sorry. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that that one's called Elvis Sucks, by the way, that one right there. But the look at your. <laughs> You didn't know you could spit it out, did you? No. Well, you got shiny beautiful hair, you know. I don't mean so I don't I am sorry, I don't mean to be offensive by that. I don't mean I don't want to offend anyone, by the way. If you're offended, no. Honestly, I don't, which is so easy. Everyone's doing it. Frankie Paul is doing it, and Jimmy fucking carr is doing it. It's so goddamn easy to offend large groups of people, too, like the Muslims or women, you know. And you don't want to mess with those crazy fuckers. So, uh so i've written this song to redress the balance the song is called you can't say that to me <laughs> well i was riding on the tube and this chick was being rude she got up in my face with a chavvy attitude and as the doors were opening and i got up to leave i called her a loser she said you can't say that to me because i'm a gay black 30 something one legged blind a german midget for dancing with a tumor and i said oh sorry <laughs> yeah. Standing in a shop and a jerkle jumped the queue I tapped him on the shoulder Said what you think you're doing He laughed and he sneered And for everyone to see I called him a prick He said you can't say that to me Cause I'm a deaf, by Asian teenager Albino, Hindu dance instructor With a lisp And I said Oh, sorry <laughs> 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 la 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 la, 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 la. Yeah. I'm walking down the road and I come to a crossing. I'm munchkin in a car thought that I was only Dawson when I went to cross he didn't stop and nearly hit me I called him a twat he said you can't see that to me because I'm a mute <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> back in trouble with the world today You gotta be so careful about everything you say I should keep my mouth shut so It's the safe as back If I've offended you already, you ain't seen nothing yet I got her really late and my girlfriend, she was ripening, And I was so annoyed I couldn't take any more sniping She flew into a rage and threw a slipper at me She called me an asshole, I said You can't say that to me Cause I Hey, short, cross-eyed braces Wearing pimpling ginger virgin Spineless, mental chap with a limp, yeah Cause I'm a web, big and bald Italian, Chinese Muslim Not a bisha and really bad friend, yeah Cause I'm a lonely single father With a pin in his hip At the song me cross dresser in a turban I'm a single Scottish poet Too old for TV I'm stupid, I'm mad, and I'm ugly And she said <laughs> 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 Yep, yep, oh yeah